This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm fighting him off. That does it for us tonight. Banfield starts now. Good to have you. I'm really busy. Look at me. My hair's a mess, everything. And I'll tell you why. Uh, when you get 900 pages of court documents basically thrown at your face, it's a metaphor, uh, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of eyeballs. It takes a lot of brain power. It takes a lot of good memory about a case that is half a decade old and plus. And then it takes a lot of like legal prowess to figure out what's important, how do you report it, and when it comes to Jeffrey Epstein, how do you not destroy people while you are reporting about it. So you see on the uh, corner of your screen there, it says breaking news, Jeffrey Epstein's little black book, finally unsealed, and it's not just a list of names. I am telling you there are people vomiting tonight about being included on this list. That guy was filth, like the worst. When you are called a pedophile, when you are called a child rapist, when you are called a child sex trafficker and you're jailed for it, um, and yeah, you, you took your own life. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. I kind of think you did, because <laughs> look who he was. No one wants to be associated with that, because the dominoes of the lives destroyed, the victims who are destroyed, the associates who are destroyed, potentially people who just were in his orb for all the right reasons, like charity, etc. those people get destroyed, because the internet sucks. Social media sucks. And those people are all going to get swept up in it. Maybe it's a good thing, but for a lot of people, it won't be. Tonight, um, you know, hundreds and hundreds of mentions of names of very famous and influential people. Why? Why? Why are their names mentioned hundreds of times? How much more are we going to learn? Because we're still going through these documents. We're weeding them out for you. I've got a whole report coming up in just a couple seconds. And then also, this, the fallout continues from Gypsy Rose Blanchard being released from jail a week ago. Uh, like makeover and hair and eyelashes and social media and bunny ears and things that she's never done before. And who knows if she ever would have been allowed to do this if her mother were still alive. Like freedom from prison is one thing. Freedom in life is a whole other thing. And freedom in life when you've never had one. Well, that's massive. And I keep wondering, is she going to be okay? And then I feel bad. Am I supposed to think that? Because she murdered her mother, right? She's a co-conspirator. And this is what a lot of people are kind of dealing with. There's haters and there's lovers. And she's dealing with it too. And she's responding to them. And she's also talking about her sex life, which also, that upsets me. Because that's all new. And she's still kind of young in her mind. So we're going to give you the, the, the gypsy rose through the ages. We're going to take you back through all the phases and then update you about these very sexy messages that she's been sending out uh, over the Internet. And then I, I got a video for you that I, uh, I wanted to show you because, this is a, you know, it's a show about true crime. And I have a huge respect for judges and courtrooms and decorum and the rule of law. And I think you do, too, if you watch the show. But there is one fella who may have had a 
bad thing coming, but nothing like what he's about to have coming, because he decided he didn't like what the judge said, and this is how he decided to react. Take a look. I appreciate that, but I think it's time that he gets a taste of something else, because I just can't with that history. In accordance with the laws of state of Nevada, this court... Okay, uh, obviously, I, I paused that for a reason, because um, this was a disaster. And that man made it over the bench. You can hear the audio, you can hear the F-bombs, you can hear the you know, catastrophic reaction. You're going to hear what happened after he got over the bench. You're going to hear how the judge is today. You're going to hear who went to the hospital and why and how long it took to get him off that judge. Yeah, he actually made contact, had her pinned. And she was hurt. All right, so let's start with uh, the, the busy stuff. 943 pages. Huh, have you ever read a book like that in a day? Um, not only that, 40 exhibits. Ever tried to go through those? That's what we would call a significant little black book. And we've been digging through it all day long for literally like the last three and a half hours in depth. Um, it is a very long awaited list of names and claims and recollections all involving a vet guy, Jeffrey Epstein, as well as his accomplice, Gillen Maxwell, in that whole underage sex trafficking ring they were in together. And Little Black Book is what we call it, maybe what, you know, colloquially you refer to it, but it is really motions and orders and depositions that were all part of a long-settled civil lawsuit against Gillen Maxwell. P.S. She's in prison now, a couple decades. Uh, for a couple decades. She's only been in there a little while. But, but now, finally, all the business, all the civil dirt... Uh, that's been like percolating under seal in the federal court system. It's being unsealed by a federal judge in New York. And uh, well, I, when I say unsealed, I sort of mean it's kind of being unsealed. It's not totally being unsealed because, you know, only bits and pieces of it. All but two of the nearly 200 names in those documents are now public. So I think those two are a big two, obviously. But here are a couple of biggies. Prince Andrew... Uh, Bill, he was mentioned 67 times in the docs. That would be hard to process for anybody. Bill Clinton, more than 100 times. Defense attorney and law professor Alan Dershowitz, 137 times. Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, the rock star, the pop star, he's mentioned twice. Tipper Gore, Al Gore's wife. Leonardo DiCaprio, big time actor. They're each mentioned once a piece. And there are like two of the remaining does, you know, John or Jane Doe. And we're actually not sure of John and Jane. We know one probably is a woman. Um, they persuaded the judge to hold off, please. I mean, Jesus, please don't release our names. And the judge agreed to keep things quiet for about 30 days. They're making the case. One of them said, I I'm in danger in my country. I don't know if the country's America or elsewhere, but... Um, but I do want to give you some of the names and some of the allegations that have come to light so far as we've been pouring through all these documents. And I really need to be clear here, okay? Simply hanging out with or being employed by Jeffrey Epstein or Glenn Maxwell is not a crime. And just because somebody says something in a court document does not make it true. So I want to start with Bill Clinton. Uh, the victim in the, this entire case of, of Epstein, her name was uh, Joanna Schobert. She testified that Epstein told her, quote, that Clinton likes them young 
referring to girls, end quote. In another deposition, Ghislaine Maxwell says Clinton flew on Epstein's private plane, but denies that he visited Epstein's Caribbean island, which was called Little uh, St. John. Little St. James, sorry. Uh, regarding renowned astrophysicist Stephen Hawking, in an email from Epstein to Glenn Maxwell, Epstein mentions an allegation by a victim named Virginia Dufresne. She's actually the, the, the plaintiff in this whole case. And the quote is, Stephen Hawking participated in an underage orgy. Again, it's a claim. Remember, allegation only. Uh, but there is this other piece to the puzzle that Stephen Hawking was seen in that picture. You just saw, we can pop it up again. Um, pictures, actually plural, with Epstein in 2015 on that infamous Caribbean island, little St. James. So it's hard, it's hard to sort of put this all into context. But it gets weirder and it gets kind of like sadder or stranger. Uh, again, all allegations, folks. So don't assume that the names I'm reading mean that they did anything wrong, okay? David Copperfield. Now, I don't know any David Copperfields other than the world-famous magician, so I'm just, we can only just assume that's who this is. It's just the name. But Epstein victim, again, Joanna Schoberg, said that uh, he attended a dinner at one of Epstein's homes, and, quote, he did some magic tricks during her deposition. She was asked, quote, did you observe David Copperfield to be a friend of Jeffrey Epstein? And Schoberg replied, yes. And Schoberg also claims that Copperfield asked her about the system that was in place for girls getting paid to find other girls for Epstein. Again, allegations only. It doesn't mean that he was like asking like, ha ha, about that. He might've been saying, hey, are you aware of this? You don't know the tenor tone context. It's just words. We don't know the truthfulness of them either. They're claims. Regarding Donald Trump, Epstein is quoted as saying that he would invite Donald Trump to a casino. And an unnamed witness said that she was never asked to engage in sexual relations with Donald Trump. Then there's Lex Wexner. That's the CEO of L Brands, Victoria's Secret, a well-known associate of, of Epstein's business and social. His name appears six times in the documents, notably, though, in the deposition um, of Ghislaine Maxwell, because she is asked whether she had discussed this case with him. It's very important because he had fought to keep his name out of the documents. Just all pieces of the puzzle here. This one, probably a little more disquieting. Thomas Pritzker. You might recognize that name, maybe because he's the cousin of the Illinois governor, J.B. Pritzker. Uh, Thomas Pritzker is the executive chairman of Hyatt Hotels, and he is named in Virginia Giuffre's deposition. And she says that she, quote, here it is. She says, quote, she believes that she had sex with Pritzker once. He had also been subpoenaed, by the way, in the lawsuit against J.P. Morgan regarding their relationship with Epstein. Again, allegations, she believes, doesn't mean it's true, doesn't mean it's factually, you know, backed up anywhere. Also included in the documents is a transcript of a deposition that Ghislaine Maxwell gave in New York on April 22nd, 2016. So let's just go back to April 22nd, 2016. Remember where we were? It was like, uh, Donald Trump is running for president and, and it's likely that, that Hillary Clinton is way up in the polls. He's not going to win, but that's where we all were in April of 2016. I want to read some of it because I want to actually show how incredibly combative the deposition was and what Glenn Maxwell was like when she was like under the thumb 
in this deposition. The person who's asking the questions is Sigrid McCauley. She's an incredible attorney. She was representing Virginia Giuffray. That's one of Epstein's accusers, sort of the basis for all these documents to be released. Uh, this excerpt is a heated exchange between that lawyer, McCauley, and Maxwell. I want you to get comfy because I don't know if you've heard all of this yet, but I couldn't put it. It was like a novel. Couldn't put it down. So let's start with uh, the lawyer, Macaulay, to uh, Gillen. Were you in charge of hiring individuals to provide massages for Jeffrey Epstein? Maxwell, my job included hiring many people. There were six homes. As I sit here, I hired assistants, I hired architects, I hired decorators, I hired cooks, I hired cleaners, I hired gardeners, I hired pool people, I hired pilots, I hired all sorts of people. In the course and a very small part of my job was from time to time to find adult professional massage therapists for Jeffrey. Lawyer Macaulay, when you say adult professional massage therapists, where did you find these massage therapists? Maxwell, from time to time, I would visit professional spas. I would receive a massage, and if the massage was good, I would ask that man or woman if they did home visits. Macaulay, I'm asking whether any of the massage therapists performed sexual acts for Mr. Epstein, as I have just described. Maxwell, I've never seen anybody have sexual intercourse with Jeffrey. Never, ever. Macaulay, I'm not asking about sexual intercourse. I'm asking about any sexual act, touching of the breast. Did you ever see, uh, can you read back the question? And the question's read back. Maxwell, I am not addressing any questions about consensual adult sex. If you want to talk about what the subject matter, which is defamation and lying, Virginia Roberts, that you and Virginia Roberts are participating in perpetrating her lies, I am happy to address those. I never saw any inappropriate underage activities with Jeffrey, ever. Lawyer, Macaulay, I'm not asking about underage. I'm asking about whether any of the masseuses that were at the home performed sexual acts for Jeffrey Epstein. And this gets pretty argumentative. Macaulay, you're refusing to answer the question. Maxwell, let's move on. <laughs> you don't get to say that. <laughs> Macaulay says, I'm in charge of the deposition. I say when we move on and when we don't. <laughs> you are here to respond to my questions. If you're refusing to answer, the court will bring you back for another deposition. To answer these questions, do you understand that? Maxwell's attorney comes in. You don't need to threaten the witness. And the lawyer, Macaulay, says, I'm not threatening her. I'm making sure that the, the record is clear. Whew. That's where Laura Ingle comes in. She's uh, News Nation's legal correspondent, and she has been digging on this like all day. You're smiling, but I, when I was reading it, I was like, I'm panicking. I'm nervous. I can tell. The stakes couldn't be higher because this is civil. Right. But... Ghislaine Maxwell's no dummy, and she knows that there could be a massive criminal case coming down the pike, which did. She's sitting in prison for it. Right. Can you give me some context for, for everything that we've been able to get through, understanding we're not through it all yet? Well, I'm so glad that you were able to put it out there the way you did, reading just a portion of that transcript, because that is what this dig all day has been. All of us here in the newsroom, we've had about 10 people who have been fantastic. Hats off to everybody here on the News Nation team for 
getting through these documents, 934 pages, and trying to make sense of it all. And what it is, we were talking about this little black book, talking about all the names, but the names weren't in a glossary. It wasn't like a table of contents. We had to find the names within the depositions. So it's like this 10,000-piece jigsaw puzzle that we laid out on a table, so to speak, where we're reading through depositions, and you did it so well there, um, talking about just like, like this little snapshot in time uh, of what that was to get to an answer. They were trying to get to an answer in that case. So we go through all of these depositions and we look at these names that you have on your screen, all these big names. And some were a surprise, many weren't, but there were you know, names of the head of the house, uh, a man that was uh, in charge of day-to-day operations of one of Epstein's uh, homes. And he described uh, for the people asking questions what he would do, that he would take the, the young girls out to buy them presents and that he would try and find young girls to come work in the home. And that was his role. And did he know what was going on? No, he was just told to go out and make sure that the young girls had what they needed. Um, a lot of this uh, that we went through today in these depositions describes um, a lot of underage inappropriate actions uh, over and over again and, and they layer one on top of each other and you start to get that sickening sense of what was going on. We've read about it, we've heard about it, but now we have it in these black and white documents where we're seeing that there so, were a lot of people who observed things and it, it really reminded me, Ashley, I, I remember sitting in the Michael Jackson trial for days and months on end and listening to the housekeepers testify about what they saw that was they were the most some of the most interesting people in that trial because they were the ones that brought Michael Jackson things as he was entertaining young people in his home mm. so it reminded me of course me they're of panicking that. right mm-hmm. they don't want to be roped into all of this they're you know many of them uh, didn't even know what they were up to. Some of them might have known, but thought, I don't have a choice. This man owns my life. Can I read something? I don't know if you got to this part yet, but I want to get your take on it. Yes. Um, because again, it, it, it names names and um, it, it basically lists out stuff we know happened at this point, like evidence in the case. She's been convicted. We know a lot of this stuff happened. So hearing her responses now just makes me like, I just get, uh, I get angry. But, li- but listen along with me. And forgive me if you've had to sort of go over this already, Laura. No, no, go ahead. The question from the lawyer. What about Joanna Schoberg? When did you first meet Joanna? I don't recall the exact date, says Glenn. Did you hire Joanna? I don't hire people. We just heard that she hired everybody. Like, she literally just said, I hire the whole world. I don't, I don't hire people, she says. She came to work at the house to answer phones. Where did you meet her? And Ghislaine says, I just testified. I don't recall exactly when I met her. Question, was one of your job responsibilities to interview people that would then be hired by Jeffrey? That was one of my responsibilities. Do you recall interviewing Joanna? I don't recall the exact interview, no. Uh, Do you know what tasks Johanna was hired to perform? She was tasked to answer telephones. Did you ever ask her to rub Jeffrey's feet? And then the lawyer comes in. Objection to the form and foundation. And the answer is, I believe I've read that. Oh, my gosh, Laura. I mean, she says, I believe I've read that. Right. Um, And Maxwell goes on to say, but I don't have any memory of it. And then the question is, well, did you ever tell Johanna that she would get extra money if she provided Jeffrey massages? Mm -hmm. And Ghislaine says, I was always happy to give career advice to people. (laughs) 
And I think that becoming somebody in the healthcare profession, either exercise instructor or nutritionist or professional massage therapist, is an excellent job opportunity, blah, 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 about salary. Mm -hmm. But then she says, so in the context of advising people for opportunities for work, it's possible that I would have said that she should explore that as an option. Question, did you tell her she would get extra money if she massaged Jeffrey? I'm just saying, Galen says, I cannot recall that exact conversation. I give career advice, and I've done that. Did you ever have Johanna um, massage you? This is where, Laura, she says, I did. Mm. Oh, okay, we're getting somewhere. Right. Question, how many times? I don't recall how many times. So it's a lot. Right. Um, was there sex involved? No. Did you ever instruct Johanna to massage Glenn Dubin? I don't believe, I have no recollection of it. Do you, did you ever have sexual contact with Johanna? Again, this is the lawyer asking Glenn Maxwell. Did you ever have sexual contact with uh, Johanna? The answer is, again, she's an adult. I'm asking you, did you ever have sexual contact with Johanna? Answer, I've just been instructed not to answer. On what basis? You have to ask my lawyer. Did you ever have sexual contact with Johanna that was not consensual on Johanna's part? Lawyer, you can answer non-consensual. I've never had non-consensual sex with anybody. And it goes on like that. Like, wrap that up, Laura. It sounds like it's obvious. Right. She is dancing around the obvious questions that we now know happened, and she's lying. Well, and one of the other things you have to look at when you're reading that transcript, um, which is so clear, right, that the, she's not giving the answers. But what is clear when you go through the 934 pages is that there were multiple young women uh, all around these two all of the time. And we're hearing from some of the witnesses in these depositions that they were witnessing pretty much watching sex all over the place that it was you know we heard about young orgies i mean it was it was devastating to read much of these documents today and thinking about the young girls that were you know coaxed into coming to these beautiful homes thinking that they were getting a leg up somehow in the sense of getting some financial benefit you know being having a chance to be around something that they were not used to and then witnessing what they did and then for, you know, Maxwell's part, uh, not being able to remember exactly what happened, maybe it's because there were so many young women all around doing that sort of thing. I'm just taking a look at some of the other stuff that's, that's coming out now. Um, like I said, it's 900 pages. It takes some time. And not only that, when we read them, we have to vet them, right? We don't just spew this stuff out. We're careful. So... Uh, I'm going to ask you to stop down for one second, Laura. Thank you for all this, by the way. This has been a hell of a day for you, so I really appreciate you. you doing this with your team. In a moment, we've got more of the famous names in the Epstein documents, including a world, uh, well, world-famous astrophysicist. I think we have a hint on that. Um, more on the King of Pop. Um, and, and by the way, what are, what's the recourse? What is the recourse of all of these people? If they're named and suddenly death threats are coming to their door, who, could, who can they get to clear them, right? I'm also going to read a little bit more of this, like, really gross stuff. But, hey, this was real, this was sealed, and now it ain't. It's all next. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. 
Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Joining me now is Mark Garagos. Um, Mark Garagos is criminal defense attorney, co-host of the Reasonable Doubt podcast with Adam Carolla. And he's probably the smartest uh, criminal mind I know. And even though we're looking at civil documents right now, um, I kind of think that there's so much criminality involved. And I know you're reading them at the same time, Mark. So I know this is kind of like we're making the, the sausage, you know, as we uh, go to air. But Garagos, I keep thinking about all these people. I keep thinking about the names that have been, and the numbers of times, you know, Clinton over 100 times, and, um, you know, Prince Andrew uh, 67 times or something. I, I keep thinking of, like, how much, how bad it looks for these people. But we don't know a lot of the context, and claims in a deposition are not fact or evidence. So what recourse do these people have? Well, very little recourse. They were given their, I guess, an attempt at due process by the judge by saying, if you want to object, you can object. In President Clinton's case, he uh, declined at the end. And by the way, some of, you know, obviously I haven't spent all the time, um, and I don't know anybody who has so far, but the things that have been read to me so far would never be admissible in court. Somebody saying that Jeffrey, who is now dead, told me that Clinton said, that's multiple levels of hearsay. That's never coming into evidence. And so I don't know what the end game is here by the people who are somewhat breathless about the release of this. But ultimately, at the end of the day, my belief is that you had very capable lawyers representing these victims. They, If they thought there was somebody who was in the crosshairs who could be exposed to criminal exposure, they would have dealt with the, that already with the authorities and would have given that information to the authorities. And most of the stuff here was exactly as you read it in that uh, setup piece uh, with my friend Laura. Um, that it's basically supposition on supposition and other kinds of things. And basically, when you look at it, a lot of it conflicts. I mean, they say, yes, Bill Clinton was on the plane for uh, multiple times. But at the same time, some of the accusers said he was on the island. Others, there was no substantiation for that. So in some ways, it exculpates. Um, I want to check with our producers. Do we have Vicki Ward uh, ready to go? Is she available? Okay. Uh, Vicki, I don't know if you can hear me. Um, Vicki's an investigative journalist. She's the host and co-producer of the docuseries Chasing Ghislaine Maxwell. And Vicki, correct me if I'm wrong, um, you, you actually are pretty, you know, you're, you're quite acquainted with Ghislaine Maxwell. You know her well. I, mean, I don't know if you're a friend. I don't know where you, what, you come in on Ghislaine's past and her convictions and her deposition, which I've been reading. But I would love to get your take as we're getting all this sort of information in the raw. Sure, Ashley. So... Um, God, that's a long story. So I sat through all of Ghislaine Maxwell's criminal trial. Uh, first, let me say that, and, and, and reading these um, unredacted depositions brings a lot of that back. You can hear from my accent. I grew up in England. I moved here in the late 1990s. The, the world of expatriate Brits in New York is a small one. We all tend to know one another. And so uh, 
in the late 1990s and early 2000s, I would bump into Ghislaine Maxwell from time to time. She would breeze in and out of parties in New York. Um, and I should add, in 2002, when I was pregnant with my twins, I was assigned by the editor of Vanity Fair to write a profile on Jeffrey Epstein, who at that time uh, was a very mysterious figure, not in the headlines at all. No one, and, and my task was actually to find out where this guy had made his money because he lived in the most valuable townhouse in New York. It actually surprised me to learn at that time that Ghislaine Maxwell was, according to him, his best friend. And when I began reporting that piece and I happened to bump into her socially somewhere, she started to cry. And uh, I mean, looking back now, this all makes sense with, you know, with the 2020 hindsight. Back then, it was uh, mystifying and rather infamously, I, I had no idea of the horrifying stuff that we you read. You know what, though, about that, I, this is where I want to get your take, because you might be the closest person at this point that would have insight. We are reading all these names of people, and, and these are like really important people whose lives could be ruined, right? DiCaprio and Blanchett and Tipper Gore and Michael Jackson, Donald Trump, Al Gore, Lex Wexner, uh, Bill Richardson, Prince Andrew, Bill Clinton, another Clinton, I don't know if it's Hillary or not, Dershowitz, Alan Dershowitz. What, when you see these names, Vicky, do you have insight into the culpability or uh, complete innocence or, you know, maybe it's just witness testimony. Do, what can you tell me about those names and what this kind of a release is going to do to them? Well, in some ways, I find it frustrating, um, Ashley, because it's very similar to what happened in Ghislaine Maxwell's criminal trial, where a lot of these names came up a fragmented way. They had been on planes or, you know, questions, you know, Ghislaine Maxwell, did you fly Bill Clinton in your helicopter to the island? You know, the answer is no. And it's still a bit of a jigsaw puzzle. The, the people, you know, Virginia Giuffray, as we know, when she, when she um, came out and, acute, and started this whole defamation suit against Ghislaine Maxwell, she also made claims against Prince Andrew that are being regurgitated today. We also know that Prince Andrew settled a civil suit with her. She, uh, the case she had against Professor Dershowitz was dismissed with Virginia Roberts Giffray saying that uh, she might have been mistaken in his identity. That's a, mm. that's a so, big deal. And I only have a couple and seconds then, left, so I, you have to excuse me. We're in breaking news, and I, I feel bad interviewing, but I do have to get this question answered. Those names that we put up on the screen, out of the 200 or so, what is your sense of the 200 names? How many of these people are just guilty by association? And how many people of the 200, again, not, t not talking about the ones on the screen, um, actually have some culpability here and should be concerned? Well, look, the, the, the vignettes that are being portrayed of life in that house in Palm Beach and on the island and the women, the role of the women, actually, who are not household names, but who were working to bring in other women for sexual massages with Jeffrey Epstein, many of them children. To me, that is really, really disturbing. And I do have questions as to why uh, there mm. are not criminal investigations and charges. 
Listen, I want to thank you both for sort of putting up with me typing and, and like looking at documents while you're talking. I don't usually like to do that. I like to give you my full focus and attention, but this is all still breaking. And I think we're still, I think some shoes have left to drop. But Vicki Ward and Mark Garagos, thank you so much for your insight. I'm probably going to call you back because we're still in the breaking news mode. But um, happy new year to you both. And thank you for helping. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Okay, still to come, uh, I mentioned it off the top of the show, but it's a new year. There's some new freedom and a whole new look. We've got the many faces of Gypsy Rose Blanchard. After the break, what she is posting about now, about her future, about the haters, and yes, even about her sex life. As we continue to watch the breaking news on Jeffrey Epstein, we're doing Gypsy Rose. That's coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Just uh, want you to know I'm keeping an eye on the Epstein uh, document drop and the producers are all like going like hair and fuego, getting through all the names and vetting the stuff. And as soon as we get something that's fair to report, you're going to be the first to hear about it. Well, you'll be second. I'll be first. Um, in the meantime, just looking back to the last week and your New Year's, did you get together with family? Did you hang out with friends or did you celebrate? I really hope you did. And I hope you didn't find those simple little pleasures to be the least bit ordinary or precedent because they were extraordinary and unprecedented for Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Tomorrow will mark one full week of freedom for that now 32-year-old woman, not child, same person who conspired to murder her abusive mother back in 2015, and she served most of her 10-year prison sentence for it, got out in eight. I said abusive, but if you know Gypsy Rose's story, you know that that doesn't even come close to describing the horror that that little girl went through. Her mother told her, and then anybody else who would listen, that Gypsy Rose was a very, very sick little girl, dying, in fact. Epilepsy, can't walk, cancer, everything, you name it. None of it was true. Uh, but she forced that kid into a wheelchair for 14 years, told her, don't you dare stand up. And now finally, she gets to live her own life. And she is sharing that life with more than 6 million followers on TikTok and Instagram. Hey everyone, this is Gypsy. I'm finally free. Um, I just want to send a quick video to thank everyone for the massive amount of support that I've been getting on social media. Um, everyone has been really, really nice um, and supportive. And I really appreciate that. Um, it's nice to be home. I'm back home in Louisiana, enjoying a beautiful day outside. Hey everyone, happy New Year's Eve. Um, I'm about to celebrate with my family. Um, I have my dad and my stepmom Christy here, and of course my husband. Um, so we're looking to bring in the new year together. It's gonna be really awesome to have some family time after so long. So to everyone watching, Happy New Year's Eve. Bye. You, you probably noticed the ring, right, on her wedding finger. She got married while she was behind bars to someone not behind bars. And 
beyond the videos that she shared, um, she also shared photos uh, with TMZ of her New Year's celebration with her dad and her stepmom. And she does not care who doesn't like it. Because in response to a post from uh, her new husband, Ryan, Gypsy wrote this, don't listen to the haters. They don't matter. She also alludes to the couple's sex life, writing this. And bear with me because this stuff's pretty risque. Uh, the D is fire. Happy wife, happy life. Happy life is something that Gypsy Rose never thought that she was going to have. Just look at how different the two photos are I'm about to show you. Wow. That kind of says it all. On the left, she is hooked up to every machine in the book. Her hair is buzzed as though she's in cancer treatment. She's in the hospital. And the other one is just from two days ago. Long hair, long eyelashes, uh, living her best life. But it is really, honestly, the pictures that are in between those two that tell the bigger part of the story. Here she is after her teeth fell out. Uh, she's got silver teeth, you can see, that were done in the front. We also have a picture of her dressed as a beauty queen. Um, she gets the new teeth, and she's in a, you know, looks like a wig and a, and a costume. Her mug shot later, after that, really reveals a lot. Standing tall. There it is, buzzed hair again. Jailhouse jumpsuit. And what happens next for Gypsy Rose is completely up to her. Her first big project is an intimate view of her time behind bars. It's a six-hour special called The Prison Confessions of Gypsy Rose Blanchard. And it premieres this Friday on Lifetime. Take a look. I didn't understand her reasonings, but I trusted her. She was my best friend, and I loved her. And I never questioned as a child. Now looking back on it, I wish that I stood up for myself more. But people don't know that there was a lot of emotional abuse attached with the medical abuse. Joining me now is Melissa Moore. She is the executive producer of that series. I'm so glad you're here. Super curious to talk to you as well, because if anybody knows Gypsy Rose Blanchard well, it's you. Can you just sort of give me your take on how this this little girl, um, now woman, has changed in the seven years of, of interviews that you've done? Yeah, over the seven years, well, I, I first met with her. I was a correspondent on the Dr. Oz show, and uh, Mommy Dead and Dearest had just aired. And I went down to try to get her interview, and she wasn't interested in doing that interview, but we ended up talking about guys. <laughs> And um, I could tell this was a young girl who was trying to become a woman or learning to become a woman in prison. I remember she told me that she had never had friends, obviously, um, if you know her story, and that when she entered prison, she would go up to inmates and say, hey, do you want to be my friend? Uh, that just kind of shows you how she entered into the prison system. Naive. And, <laughs> Wow. And then now, you know, she is a, a woman, as you said, she's a woman and she's recently married. And um, and this is kind of her honeymoon, too. If you think about it, this is the first time she's intimate with her husband. Uh, they didn't they yeah. don't have those type of visits in the prison that she was in. She wasn't um, allowed. I believe she wasn't even allowed to kiss him in prison. Um, but, yeah, this is. 
Well, Everything is. is new. Everything's new. They're, they're, having their, they're having their kiss now. Listen, um, I've had such breaking news tonight with Jeffrey Epstein, but Melissa, can you give me about 30 seconds and just tell me if we're going to, like, can you tell me something we're going to learn in the doc that's dropping this week? Yeah, I would say one of the biggest revelations is that there was another attempt to escape that you'll learn about. Whoa. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you got me. Well, you already had me. I love your work. Uh, you know, thanks so much. I want to have you back on the show when we aren't sort of Epstein crazy, but um, let's, let's just put it on the calendar and we'll get you booked again. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you. Coming up next, um, lie detector. A lie detector. Does it tell the truth, really? Um, so they call it a polygraph test. It's wires and machines and all sorts of squiggly lines. And Casey Anthony's mother and father were so fed up with being called liars about their granddaughter Kaylee's death that they allowed a polygraph expert, actually one of the best in the country, to hook them up and ask the tough questions. So yes or no, were they lying? The expert himself is live with me next on what went on behind the scenes. We all know that Casey Anthony's a liar. That is not up for debate, please. Can we just be honest? She is just a chronic liar. But her mom and dad got swept up in her whole ugly affair. She accused them of everything under the sun, including like being responsible for her daughter's death. So George and Cindy Anthony are inviting the world to watch them take a lie detector test on camera from one of the country's leading polygraph experts. It is all part of a special airing on A&E tomorrow night, and I want you to take a quick look. Called yourself a 10 on the, on the personal honesty scale, and you didn't lie about that, right? You didn't lie about that, right? Yes. I, I mean, I didn't lie about that. Okay. I'm sorry. All right. I'm sorry. You I'm got sorry. me worried there for a minute. Did you knowingly conceal Kaylee's whereabouts? No. I mean, I... I didn't know where she was at. Correct. That's all I'm asking. So the question again, did you knowingly conceal Kaylee's whereabouts? No. Okay, so you're struggling with that one a little bit. Tell me why. George Levo administered that polygraph test to both of the Anthony parents, and he joins me now live. George, I have been dying to talk to you. Easy question right off the top. Your, Your impressions from behind the scene. Tell me all about it. Well, I, they, uh, uh, George and Cindy uh, uh, strike me as a very typical uh, uh, couple. Uh, nothing really out of the ordinary struck me. I, I met them right before the polygraph exam, so we didn't have a lot of time to get to know each other. Uh, literally, just a few minutes, we shook hands, and then we sat down and began the pretest interview right away. Uh, and they seem nice enough. Uh, he does seem to be the same way he is on TV as the way he was in person. So that's the thing. They have not had normal lives, and I don't know how normal the lives are of people you normally strap into the, to the, to the machine. Um, yeah. But it, if you put me on that machine, I'd fail everything. I get panicked when people ask me math on demand. Do you get right. the sense that any of that could have played into their answers? Well, there's always that sense of contamination. Contamination is all the things that might affect a polygraph exam other than the fear of being caught in a lie. So just the same type of things that would affect normal conversations like uh, nervousness, fear, um, uh, confusion. We try to do everything we can to minimize those contaminants so that we're looking at uh, deception indicators only. I know you can't give away what's happening tomorrow night on the A&E show, but can I just ask you a general question? Did you find 
both George Anthony and Cindy Anthony um, to be honest uh, brokers in your conversation? I felt like they were they were they were cooperative. They were uh, extremely uh, uh, willing to go through the process. They they followed all of my instructions and they did everything I asked them to do. And are we going to be like floored by revelations tomorrow night that haven't come out in the you know the promos that we get to see? Well, I think some people are going to be surprised, and some people are not going to be surprised. Okay, so when it airs, will you come back on the show and give me even more behind the scenes when you are allowed to talk about the specific answers and the specific uh, responses? I would love to. I would love to. Okay, I'm going to hold you to it. And I'm really glad you did this, and I'm so thankful you were here tonight. I would have spoken to you much longer, by the way, but we've had all this breaking news. So thank you for that, and I'll, I'll see you soon. Thank you, George Olivio. Olivo. Okay. Uh, I just want to tell our audience as well that we, we told you we were going to show you that judge attack in Las Vegas. And we're going to show it to you, just not tonight, because our show got crunched down with the um, Jeffrey Epstein news. But that is, you are going to see that again tomorrow night, and you're going to find out about, about the judge tomorrow night as well. And you are going to see more on News Nation about the Jeffrey Epstein coverage, because our team's just going to work all night. It's what we do. It's just what we do. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for, like, plodding along with us through this show tonight. Uh, stay tuned, though, because uh, Cuomo's up next. And you just know, you just know, he's got a whole different set of perspectives on all of this. I'll see you right back here tomorrow. Hey, everybody, I'm Brian Enton filling in for Chris Cuomo tonight. We are live with some very big breaking news. Uh, we're scrambling here. 900 pages we're trying to go through. Just minutes ago, the big reveal of the list of almost 200 friends and associates of Jeffrey Epstein's has been released from the seal.